our new season of the Reach Next Generation podcast. I'm Grace Jeffries, and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they faced throughout their careers, how they overcame them, and what tips they for girls of my age. Today, my guest is Hattie Hassan, who is the founder of Stopcocks. Hattie received the first MBE as she is one of the first female plumbers. She also received it for her work to increase the number of women in the heating and plumbing industry too. Patty believes that the large numbers of women interested in joining these t- types of trades could be the answer to the skills gap that we're unfortunately heading towards. Thanks for joining me so much today, Hattie. Um, can we start by you telling us all how your career took you to the role that you have today? Uh, yeah, well, um, I am a Turkish Cypriot by birth, so that it, it comes with its own limitations and its and its special things. But one of the limitations about it was that it's very gender roles, women and men. It's very kind of dictated which way you go. So I always thought that uh, I've got an older brother, so for a certain amount of time, there was just me and my older brother. And before my other three siblings came along later on. And I I was aware that my dad in particular was telling us that, you know, we needed to um, be adventurous and go out and think for ourselves and ask questions. But actually, he wasn't really talking to me. He was talking to my brother. Mm-hmm. So it was it was OK for the boys of the family to be outgoing but the girls had to be obedient quiet um just basically not have any um ambition in life so really from those beginnings for me to get to where i got i actually had to take some quite drastic uh quite drastic action i had to go against my not only my own family but i had to go against my entire culture to be able to just well to do anything actually because really as a girl growing up in the 60s so that was a long long time ago growing up in the 60s um uh and I was I think I was I was 18 in the in 1979 so that was a long time before you or any of your friends um had more even a twinkle but um but in those times it was very kind of uh, not done for girls from my background to want to have a career. Mm-hmm. So the idea of success was that you managed to find yourself a good husband. Yeah. And I knew from quite an early age that I wasn't really interested in a husband, yeah. to be honest, because looking around at my family, uh, my extended family, the wives didn't really have it very well. So uh, I didn't want to be one of those. So I had to really rebel against everything. And it ended up in me running away from home, basically, when I was 18. Oh, wow. Yeah. So so I did that. And from there, um, I, I, I put myself through university. Um, I was the first woman in my entire family, extended or otherwise, to go to. I was the first person, not alone, not only the first woman, but the first person to go to university and um and then I came out of there as a teacher so my first career was a teacher so it was it was a it was not an easy road 
Wow, well, you definitely had quite an interesting path from, you know, where you were when you were a bit younger to definitely where you are now. There's a yeah. lot of difference. And as you said, although you had to take some, as may say, maybe not drastic measures, but maybe things that put you in a, in a comfortable situation, I can definitely see how it's a lot more for the benefit and for the good, which obviously led you to this amazing career that you have now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, for my, for me in my time, it was drastic. Um, nowadays, I think parents are, uh, you know, things are, opportunities are a lot more easy to see and go for. And so you may not, you know, people of your age now might not have to take drastic action. Uh, and that's one of the things that I work towards, actually, because a lot of um, young women who want to go into the trades say to me, how can I, you know, what what advice do you give? And I know that that's one of your questions for later on. But basically, um, I, I just say that um, it's not just for you as a 13 year old girl who has to change the way the world works. Actually, the world has to work change so that you can do what you like. Yeah. And that's where I'm that's where I concentrate most of my efforts now in trying to make the world a different place so that people like yourself coming into it have an easier go of it, to be honest. Yeah, well, that sounds like such a great thing to do. So when you were at school, perhaps when you were a little bit younger, um, did you have any idea of what you wanted to do when you were older or what you wanted to <sighs> be? Or did that happen later in life? Um. I knew there was one thing that I was certain of, and that was that I wanted to finish my education. I didn't want to be pulled out of school early to get married. See, in our culture at that time, it was very common for um, marriages to be arranged between families. So the daughter and the son didn't actually have much of a say. They just got put together. And if they liked each other, that was it. They were due to be married. And if they didn't get on, then, okay, we'd find the next one. So I knew that I didn't I I didn't want to do that. So in a way, although I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, I knew what I didn't want to do. Yeah. And in a way that helped to steer me. Uh, um, And as I went to university and I did my degree in psychology because I was always interested in how things and people work. So I did my degree in psychology and I realized that I wanted to specialize more in the learning of children, how children learned. So I specialized in that towards my third year. And that led me to the teaching career that I then, because I think of all the careers that women can have, teaching is one of the uh, really respectable ones. And um, so even though my family didn't want me to have a career, because I think they believed that why would I bother to have a career? Because once I'd got married, I'd have to give it up. Mm. So um, and I was convinced that that wasn't what I was going to do. So I, I went into a teaching career and it wasn't until quite some years later on that I decided to. If you like, not really ditch teaching, but ditch the education system and do something completely different, which was when I became a plumber. Yeah. So I know that you went to university, but how important do you think actually is to go to university because nowadays there are so many different apprenticeship schemes graduate schemes loads of different things that companies are willing to offer to young people i think it really i don't i don't think it's massively important to go to university to be honest i mean 
I know some people would think that's a terrible thing to say, but I think that individuals need to be treated as individuals. So you can't say brilliant to go to university, rubbish if you don't. Yeah. You know, you've got you've got to, um, especially because I've, and I think a lot of companies and businesses nowadays are beginning to realise that there's a different way to get yeah. to the same goal, even though it isn't a degree. Experience um, can count for so much more. So I, 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 although I think for perhaps for some careers it might be important that you go to university, but certainly yeah. as a as a thing to do, it's not necessarily the be all and end all. Of course. So the world is changing quite a lot. It's quite scary um, <laughs> how fast is, it is also changing. <laughs> um, seems like everything is constantly changing. So what do you think work for women may look like in 10 years? Or perhaps what do you think it may look like? Well, that's a yeah, well, that's a that's a that's one of the interesting questions, because we are it is changing so fast. But I'm in an industry that cannot um, cannot change out of recognition because uh, the world will always need plumbers Mm -hmm. because there's only one way to move water. And that is through pipes. You can't do it by remote. You can't do it by Wi-Fi. You can't do it by virtual. You can only do it by pipes. So the world will always need plumbers. So in in one respect, the world of work around plumbing will stay the same, except for the landscape I want to see is I want to see a minimum of 30 percent women being plumbers. That's what I'd love to see. Uh, And and I, I think that. I also think that having thought about this question, that there's going to be some kind of a backlash because at the moment people don't like using their hands for stuff unless it's just on a keyboard <laughs> or looking at a screen. And that way lies a disaster because who's going to build our houses? Who's going to repair them? And those things are and they're very exciting, actually. They're a very exciting thing to be part of. You know, if you think that if it wasn't for. People like me now and our industry, we'd all be living in a field and we'd be drinking out of the river. We wouldn't be able to turn a tap on and have and have water or be warm in the winter. So I think it's a very exciting field to be in construction. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm always excited about it when I think about something. I just did a project um, a few weekends ago where 300 women got together over a 24 hour period. And we built a well, sixteen meter barn using using um, uh, traditional techniques of of massive pieces of wood and pegs and hammers and nails and saws and chisels and some of the women hadn't even ever picked up a hammer. But by the end of it, we were all totally buzzing because we built something yeah. from scratch in twenty four hours. And I think a lot of women. Um, well, I know for a fact that a lot of women get very excited by being able to do things like that with tools and using their hands. So I'm hoping that the world will change more in that direction. I mean, it has to. It really has to, because you mentioned the skills gap. But honestly, it's more like a it's more like a chasm. <laughs> and we're all going to fall in it and all the houses are going to fall down. and There aren't going to be people to repair them. So. <laughs> As part of our Reach Next Generation Summits, we look at diversity and opportunity for young girls from the black and minority communities. Mm. Um, 
Are we seeing more people from these different types of community take up the traditional trades as much as you would hope so? No. The short answer is no, we're not seeing nearly enough. Um, there are lots of initiatives now, and we're at the forefront of some of those initiatives to increase diversity within the trades and within the construction industry. Um, and a, a ray of hope, there was a, there was a competition there is a competition every year called the most influential 101 most influential women in construction, um, of which I'm one of them. And I've got a, certificate, a, a trophy on my mantelpiece. But the most influential woman in construction was a black woman. And it was fantastic to see. So um, we're kind of moving in that direction, but we're not moving fast enough. We're really not moving fast enough. We need to. Uh, um, and it's all to do with changing the world so that it fits the diverse people that are in it yeah. rather than making us all change to fit the construction industry. Definitely. So do you still have any personal or perhaps professional ambitions for your future? Yeah, well, I really do because um, we're just about to, um, we're just entering a new venture and um, of late I've been working with uh, survivors of abuse, women survivors of abuse. And one of the goals I have is to enable them and empower them to come into the trades. Because um, a, a bit a little bit about my past, you know, there was some there was some abuse in my past. And I think that I kind of believe I fixed myself by fixing things. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of there's a lot of that about. And I think that women who are survivors of abuse have very, very low self-esteem and don't value themselves nearly as much as they should. And if they could do some of these things, it would help them to uh, you know, gain confidence and um, and fix themselves by fixing things. And I think that my ambition is that this new venture that's coming up is going to is going to change the lives of many, many women. I can't really tell you much more because it's still on, not on the, it's just come off the drawing board and it's just at the next stage, but we're not at the stage where we can unfortunately shout about it. But when we are, when we can, I'm sure you'll hear about it. Well, that sounds like a, a great, um, a great thing to happen because, you know, inviting anyone, no matter about their past, well, specifically, you know, survivors of abuse, as you said, it, it, you know, changed how you you thought of yourself, and you know, change sure. your change your life and change your you know your your aspect um, and your perspective on things. So I'm sure that it will help many other people that are lucky enough to be part of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it already is because we're already running a small pilot scheme, yeah. and um, the feedback is amazing from those women. You, you know. Uh, you can see their faces lighten up when they manage to make something or achieve something. Because us, I think that when you are a, um, when you are a survivor of abuse, you kind of just feel like you're not worth anything and you can't achieve anything and you can't do anything. And that is just not true. Yeah. So I have to ask, I mentioned earlier that you are an MBE. Yeah. How did you feel when you heard that you had been awarded an MBE and who presented it to you? <laughs> Well, I was. Uh, it's funny because when when I, when when you get awarded these things, you get a letter, a very kind of a fancy 
all kind of curly writing and and this letter appeared through the door and it just coincidentally was my birthday so of course when I opened this letter I thought it was a joke I thought somebody was playing a, a birthday joke on me and I didn't really believe it and um and then the, I had to fill in a form and it said, do you accept it? Because some people don't accept them. And um, so I filled in the form and I sent it back, whether it was a joke or not. You know, I just thought, well, I'm going to do this. So I'm not going to miss out. I am going to accept it. And then um, I heard nothing for a while. And then I went, so I went back to the letter. And there was a phone number and I phoned the phone number. And when they picked up the phone, they said, Buckingham Palace. <laughs> <laughs> And then I knew it was for real. Um, So unfortunately, the Queen, uh, the late Queen, was um, she was already giving up her duties. And plus, then we had COVID. Yeah. So it was two years and by which time she was no longer giving the awards. And I was able to go to the palace and um, see their um, uh, Kate, William, um, also the new... Duchess and Duke of Edinburgh, who is uh, um, Edward and his wife, uh, Sophie. So, so um, it was, a, uh, you know, it, it was a great day, even though, unfortunately, um, Her Late Majesty, I would have really loved to have yeah. been in the same room as her, but it didn't happen. And now it never will, sadly. But I do say to people, because she was still presiding over the honours of the awards, so I do say to people, somebody told the Queen about me and she quite liked what she heard. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. You know, I, I did kind of believe that she had heard my name. That yeah. kind of is a nice thing, an amazing thing, really, because I do think that ordinary people should be recognised for doing extraordinary things. Because I'm, I'm just an ordinary person who decided I wanted to do something and went ahead and did it. Yeah, definitely. And anybody could do that. Any of you. So if you could spend an hour, say, chatting to someone, three people, maybe, over a coffee, if you don't like coffee, maybe tea, or anything to your fancy, to be entirely honest, (laughs) pick whatever you want. Coffee, all the time. (laughs) Who do you think they would be, and um, why? Well, again, this was one of your very interesting questions, because it really made me think, I mean, I do have people that are inspire me but none of those people are on this list okay so my a long long time ago um back in 1791 there was a book published by a man um somebody i can't remember his name actually i haven't i've got to say i mean and i suppose it goes without saying almost that my people are all women okay um so this guy wrote a book called the rights of man and there was a woman who was a philosopher and she wrote a book called The Vindication of the Rights of Woman. And she's called Mary Wollstonecraft. Um, she's often kind of associated with very, 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 very early feminism. So back in the 1700s when she lived and she what she always said was that. Men are not better than women. She basically advocated for equal rights right the way back then, 300, 400 years ago. She was advocating for women's rights. Um, and she was saying that men are not, men and women are not unequal. They should be the same, 
but it's just that women don't get the opportunities. And if women got the opportunities, they would be equal to men on every level. So, so that idea is not new and we're still talking about it now. You know, from the 1792 to 2023, we're still talking about the same things. And that is a little bit disappointing to me because I think, well, 300 years, we should have moved on a little bit more. But she would be one of the things. Um, she actually died at the age. I had to write this down because she died at the age of um, 38. So she was very, very young when she died. But she'd already written this book um, when she was 33. So five years before she died, she wrote this book and it was in direct response to this other book about the rights of man. And we talk these days um, a lot to people who say that um, if you're talking about man, you are talking about woman as well. But she wanted to separate out and say, well, you know, women are not seen as equal and they're not treated as equal. And it's not because they're not equal. It's because they haven't been given the right, the same opportunities. So equal opportunities was being talked about right back then. Um, and the other the other person, actually, she had a she had a daughter and 11 days later she died. And her daughter was called Mary Shelley. And Mary Shelley wrote one of the most famous books of all time called Frankenstein. So I don't know if you've heard of that book uh, or seen the films or whatever. Um, but the the Frankenstein, uh, the everyone perceived as the monster, was actually a ve- quite a well-educated um, being, creature that was created. And actually what Mary Shelley did was she turned it all over. And she said, actually, society was the monster because they weren't accepting diversity. And that resonates with me a lot. So those two people and the third person quickly, because I don't don't, think we're going to run out of time or whatever. But the third person I would talk to is Michelle Nichols. Now, she is a black woman. Um, She was a singer and a dancer. And in the in the 60s, she got one of the most famous roles in one of the biggest sci fi series of all time, Star Trek. So she played, she was the first woman to play a, a character that was not a servant girl or a, you know, she was a black woman. She played in a major role. She was a lieutenant on the starship on the bridge. And there are many um, black astronauts who say that if they hadn't seen her, they never would have been inspired to go into space. And when she got offered a role uh, as a, as uh, as a showgirl in a show in theatre, she was going to take it. And um, uh, she was told by the producer of the show that one of her greatest fans wanted to meet her. And her greatest fans was Martin Luther King. <laughs> and so he said to her, no, you cannot resign. You must stay because you are doing so much for the, for young black women to see you we've never seen ourselves on tv um and you must stay so she stayed and so she would be my third person because of everything that and all three of them because of everything that they've done and i think all of their lives have led up to us believing the things that we believe and then your generation believing the things you believe these are the people that have whose shoulders we're standing on yeah definitely i think that's a great three people um definitely incredibly influential um in all matters of equality in diversity in women equality 
And I think those are great people. I'm sure they would offer you a brilliant conversation. Oh. Um, both a fun one. If and they were alive, of course, they're one. all dead now. But... Well, you can so... have dead people. That, that yeah, was never that's off the good. table. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, what would you say are your non-negotiables? So what will you just not compromise on um, in both your personal and professional life? Um, well, for me, uh, I, I won't compromise. When I used to be on the tools and even with everything I do now, I won't compromise on the quality of that thing. Mm-hmm. So if I'm doing something like, for example, I've just um, literally in the last four years, I've started to learn to play the cello. Cool. Because I've always wanted to be a musician of some description. But but because, again, because of the family and, you know, that's not something that girls do. I never did it. And now that I've got the choice, I can do it. So. My teacher always says to me, you give yourself a hard time. Don't give yourself such a hard time. You're doing well. And I'm a perfectionist, so I won't compromise on the quality of my work. And one other thing that I'll say personally is nobody should compromise on the quality of their lives. Uh, I really believe that, you know, don't compromise on it. Because when when you bend all the time, you get pushed further to bend even more. So stand up. Um, don't compromise on the quality of your own life if you can help it. Brilliant. I think that's a great thing to um, say to the listeners. I'm sure they'll yeah. definitely take that on board. And I think it's a great, you know, motto to have on life. So I'm really enjoyed chatting with you today, Hattie. Thank you so, so much. And I'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they're about to make in their own careers and, well, their own future too. Yeah. Listening to the Reach Next Generation podcast as I talk to many more brilliant women. And more details about us and our upcoming summits are at reachnextgeneration.com. Thank you to our sponsors and partners, Barclays, Domestic in General, AJ Bell, All Saints, Kellogg's, The Vita Group and City in the Community.